0: Hello and welcome to the CircuitPython Weekly for January twenty 2019. Uh, I'm Scott and I'm sponsored by Adafruit to work full time on CircuitPython. Uh, CircuitPython is a, an open source version of Python that runs on itsy bitsy computers called microcontrollers. Uh, the goal of the project is to make it very easy for people to learn to code and get started with projects. Um, you can find out more uh, by going to adafruit.com slash circuitpython, I believe. Um, we'll talk a little bit about that later, uh, that we don't have a website of our own. Uh, this meeting happens every week, usually on Mondays. Today is Tuesday because yesterday was Martin Luther King Day in the United States where a no- number of us live. Um, So this is an odd week, um, but uh, we'll be back on normal schedule next week, uh, meeting on Monday um, at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, We meet on our Discord channel, uh, or Discord server for Adafruit, which is uh, open to everybody. Uh, We're usually in the text channel, and then we're usually in the voice channel during this meeting on Mondays. Uh, To join, you go to the URL adafru.it slash discord. Uh that will jump jump you in there and feel free to do that at any time during the week. We'd love to chat with you uh in text chat. Um if you are, are in the voice channel, be aware that I am recording the meeting. Uh I think all of you know this, but just want to say a heads up. Um I'm recording the contents of Discord at this time and the voice channel, and it will be posted on YouTube and I also usually post it on Diode Zone. Um some of the meetings end up on Diod Zone, some don't, uh, because it's on my account. Um so yeah, check that out. Uh, the meeting is arranged in four parts. We start with status circuit python, which is kind of a statistics view of the health of the project. Uh, and we have that in two parts, the core and the libraries, uh, because those are two both critical parts of circuit python. Uh, after that we'll talk about hug reports, which is a chance to um, is a chance to say thank you to the uh, to folks for the work that they've done. And that's the first of two sections that we do as a round robin where uh, I will start in the voice channel and then we'll go down the list through people in the CircuitPython voice channel. Um, if you don't want to participate in that or you just you want to listen in, uh, as some folks have already said, just let us know you're looking and we'll skip right over you. That's no problem. Um, and then the, so after Hug Reports, we'll do status updates, which is a quick couple of minutes about what you've been working on and what you plan on working on in the, in the coming week. It's a good way for everybody to just get in sync and be aware of what's going on. Um, And that is done as a round robin as well. And then finally, we have uh, in the weeds discussion um, with uh, where we talk about um, just any topics that came up. Sorry, I got an email and it distracted me. Um, So in the weeds, we just talk about anything that anybody wants to talk about. That's kind of why it's in the weeds. It means that we can get really detailed about things uh, if we like. Uh, And the way that that works is that if you have a topic you want to talk about anytime during the meeting, just type it into the CircuitPython text channel, and we'll snag it and put it in the notes so that we can come back to it at the end of this meeting. Um, As I said earlier, the meeting is recorded, and in addition to being recorded, we also uh, take notes. So if you don't want to listen to this typically hour-long uh, meeting you can just start by looking at the notes and in the notes we'll have time codes uh, which will tell you like oh this discussion or this bullet point sounds like it might have been interesting to me um, let me uh, just skip to the that spot in the video so um, you'll hear me taking time codes I may not speak because I my brain can't do two things at once and uh, so that yeah, that's what's going on. okay uh, with that I will take a time code and get us onto the first section uh, state of circuit Python. Uh, this first bit is, uh, kind of an overall view of the health of the project, um, in terms of what, what has happened in the last week. So I, I just pulled these numbers now they ran last night. So, uh, that's where these numbers come from. Uh, we had, so overall we had 21 pull requests merged, uh, from 10 different authors, which is awesome. Um, that's, uh, Kind of the peak of what we peak at, and uh, we also like to call out the new folks explicitly. So, uh, new names I see in this list are Tasm Devil, uh, DSIEE, uh, GPS Head. I think may have had one or two, but not not a ton. So, thank you to those three, and then also thank you to the six reviewers who reviewed all of those PRs. Um, as we always say, re- reviewing is a great way to get started. Um, into helping with CircuitPython. If it's a a sensor or some code that you just uh, might have used or just want to take a look over, uh, just drop a comment, say, hey, I looked at this. It looks good to me. Uh, That's super helpful if you just test it and say, hey, I tested this, and it works for me. Uh, Those are both really easy ways to get started uh, reviewing new code changes. Okay, and then overall for issues, we had 18 closed issues by 7 people, and 3 were opened by 3 people, so that's kind of an epic week for us. Uh, We don't usually close more than 10, I would say, Uh, and so this is really great. It means that we're getting ahead of our issue count, which is um, awesome. And then overall, I think that's kind of where we're headed, where uh, for the core at least, we're we're really trying to hone in on a 4.0 release. Um, sooner rather than later. And I think what you'll find is that there's a lot of small issues that we've kind of been ignoring around bugs that you'll start to see close. So hopefully uh, in the coming month, if I had to guess, you'll see that the the number of issues uh, for the core get burned down a lot just so that we can call 4.0 stable. So um, that's where we're at. Let's uh, move on to more details about the core. And then we'll talk about libraries afterwards. Uh, so for the core, we had 11 pull requests merged uh, from eight different authors. And those three that I mentioned earlier were also, also authors in the core. Um, and we had three uh, reviewers, myself, Dan, and Lady Ada. So uh, thanks to everybody for the pull requests. Um, there are eight c- currently open pull requests. You, you can check the notes to see what those eight are. Um, we had 13 closed issues by six people and zero open by zero people. So, uh, we're down to 150 open issues, which is, you know, about 13 less than we're normally at, <laughs> which is good. And, uh, there's a link in the notes for details on that. Um, downloads wise, uh, our latest stable is still three one three point one point two, 3.1.2 and we've had 2020 total downloads for that. Um, and then for unstable, our latest unstable is four O Alpha five, and we've had nine hundred eight total downloads. Um, one thing I was gonna comment on is that uh, we're starting to see more th- uh, non Adafruit boards supported in Circuit Python, and it's interesting to kind of just scope out how many downloads each of those boards has had. Um, so the Maker Diary NRF fifty two MDK has had ten. Um, A baseline is like Circuit Playground Express is about the Huh Uh, Circuit Playground Express is 47 Feather M0 Ada logger is 102 Which seems really weird to me Uh, Itsy Bitsy Express M4 Express is 41 So make your diary at 10 And then the particles are about uh, 10 to 13 A piece Which is pretty pretty standard Um, Meow meow at 8 uh thank you anonymous hippo for pointing that out as well uh anyway I- interesting stuff in the notes uh, if you want to see more details uh breakdown by board check that out um we should be doing a new unstable release shortly that will ha- pick up some additional boards as well uh, in particular a, f- a couple sparkfun boards which will be interesting um okay and with that uh always check the notes if you want to see more information and we'll go on to catney for the libraries
1: Thanks. So we've had 10 pull requests merged this week uh, with three authors and four reviewers. Thank you to everybody who was involved with that. We currently have 12 open pull requests, which is up, but that's exciting because we have a couple brand new ones, uh, which is excellent. Mm -hmm. We had five closed issues by four people and three opened by three people. So we're down just a little bit. We have 62 open issues. Overall, um, things are looking really good. We've got new libraries coming in. Um, We have new authors, which is excellent. And uh, once again, if you take a look in the notes, um, I will add the link to the CircuitPython library tracking issue that is on the CircuitPython repo itself, Mm -hmm. where we talk about uh, what can be done um, to help update the libraries. Uh, We have issues listed. links to uh, different things that can be fixed up which we don't list all of these things in the notes because that list is actually very long so if you're interested in getting started with contributing the libraries are a great place to start we have a lot of minor things that can be fixed up um, and if you have any questions about that feel free to ping me or anyone else um, who is involved with this may be able to help you as well and uh, we can get you started with a um, with with a new, uh, new way to contribute if that's something you're interested in. Uh, and that's where we are with libraries.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Katni. All right. And that is the state of CircuitPython as of January 22nd, 2019. Um, let's move on to Hug Reports. Uh, Hug Reports is a chance for us to all say thank you to other folks for the great work that they've been doing in the last week or so, or at least since we've had the uh, last chance to thank people. Um, And so the way that we usually do this is uh, the person hosting the meeting, myself or Katni, will start, and then we'll go down the list. Um, And if you're lurking, uh, we should be able to see in the doc that you're lurking. Um, So let us know if you haven't already. Um, So thank you, and I'll take a time code. Um, I wanted to first say a huge thank you to Brennan for the awesome CircuitPython Live work on Linux. Uh, it's gotten uh, really far. Um, Brennan has some news that will make more sense while I'm thanking him a little bit later, but I won't scoop that. Um, Dan, uh, thank you for the fast Travis fix. Uh, found that uh, um, Found that Travis wasn't actually breaking when it should have. I checked in the make new stuff and broke the Unix build, but the Travis was broken, so it didn't break, which is kind of weird. Uh, so I discovered that, and, and Dan fixed the Travis side, and I fixed the build side, so uh, thanks to Dan for that. Um, I just watched this video on YouTube from SciJoy. Uh It has an awesome explanation of CircuitPython and Blinka uh, about motors. I dropped it in the notes uh, if people haven't watched it, um, and I wanted to shout-out uh for the great work on MotorKit, uh, which is used in that video. Um, it's like she has... The, the presenter has their code written on a piece of graph paper and it's like six lines of code and just uses motor kit. It's super simple. Uh, so that that's awesome. So thank you for that. Um, and then uh, we had a couple uh, more people post for Circuit Python 2019. Uh, so Brent, thank you for your post. Uh, Brennan, thank you for your post. And Maker Melissa, thank you for your post as well on CircuitPython 2019. Uh, happy to hear uh, everything that's going on with folks um okay uh let's go on to tg techie
2: um sorry just double checking for hug reports yep uh hug to the community for right now um i had a pretty passive week this week um as far as being on discord but it's still wonderful to use circuit python and it's just such a breeze and it's wonderful so thank you to everyone
0: Awesome. Thank you, TG Techie. All right, let's loop around and go to Brennan.
3: Hey, so uh, just a generalized hug to everybody in the community. Um, I'm going to be taking a new full-time gig here after this week, so I won't be doing a lot of Circuit Python stuff for a while, but I wanted to say thanks for how cool everybody's been while I have been working on related stuff. It's been a really good experience.
0: Awesome. And thank you again, Brennan, for both your post and all the work you've done. Uh, I'm excited to to see what you do with the Wikimedia Foundation, uh, which will be very cool. <laughs> all right. Uh, Carter is lurking, so we'll go on to Charles.
4: Well, oh,
5: my one and only hug report is to you, Tanu, for uh, cluing me in on uh, where to get a... Copy of that has the uh, USB MIDI. Mm, it seems yeah. to be working so far. I haven't, and I'm trying to work up things like uh, work up a l- little library that will uh, allow you to uh, call a function to say note on, note on, you know, mm-hmm. note on, and so on and
4: so mm-hmm.
2: forth.
5: The only one I seem to be is sy- system exclusives are or the big bear.
4: Yeah.
0: And that's the
5: only thing I'm worried about.
0: Yeah, I added support into it, but I haven't tested it honestly, so let me know if that doesn't work out.
5: Okay. Thank you.
0: Yep, and thank you for testing that. I really appreciate it. Um okay, Dan is uh out. He, he scheduled lunch cuz he forgot that the- we didn't talk about the meeting being pushed, so he's out to lunch with his wife and friends, I think. Um so he got to me earlier and and we had notes for him, so um, Dan says, uh, hugs to Tan Newt, myself, and, uh, Lady Ada for the BLE API and priority discussions, uh, hugs to Katney for library and Travis help. And that's it from Dan for hugs. Um, Dave, Dave, De- De- Astles, uh, De Shippu are, and Jerry are all lurking, um, Again, we're on a weird day. So folks who usually are able to speak are busy. So let's go on to Katni.
1: Thanks. Uh, so I want to give a hug report to Brennan. Thank you so much for all the help with the PyPI PI project. That was massive. And um, I had an absolute blast working with you. I am going to miss you. Uh, and I wish you all the best uh, with, your, with your future endeavor. Um, I hope everything goes amazing. Uh, so thank you again um hugs to maker melissa for an epic new library this is her first and thank you for all the hard work and great job working through your first travis experience um because that can always be rough uh, hug report to scott for the massive CircuitPython python 2019 aggregate post And uh, thank you to Roy for 3D printing me a bunch of stands for things that were scratching at my desk. Um, But also including surprises in the box. I got an amazing little nameplate with Blinka on it and uh, a baby purple elephant. Um, So that was a lot of fun. And thank you so much to Roy for uh, designing all those things and getting them to me. That's what I've got.
0: Awesome. Okay, we're going to go to... Uh, something that Lady Ada said earlier, she had a meeting now, so wasn't able to make it, uh, but Lady Ada says, uh, hugs to Katni, who's been picking up a lot of guide and GitHub stuff, hugs to Dan for getting BLE.io, you are working, and hugs to myself, uh, for IO. it's amazing. And that's it from Lady Ada, and we're gonna go to Maker Melissa. melissa is typing all right might be having discord trouble okay uh while you work on voice i will read off or Summersoft, are you on voice Mr. Certainly is lurking, and Sean Heimel says, hugs to all. Okay, so um, I will read off Summersoft. Summersoft says, uh, hugs to uh, Maker Melissa for the RA8875 library, and uh, a hugus groupus, which I is must be uh latin for group hug <laughs> all right um very proper latin i'm sure says brendan um okay uh we'll we'll uh maker bliss is having uh troubles getting the mic going so we'll continue and i think i got it going oh there you go okay that's what you meant <laughs> go ahead
4: um, I wanted to give a hug report to Katni for helping me with my Travis experience and getting through a few iterations of that until I got it to pass. And also uh, a hug report to Sedacious for helping me with a bitmap library.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I, I meant to help more with that because the display IO I o stuff is weird, but, uh, yeah, I'm glad you got it worked out. All right. Thank you, Maker Melissa. And with that, I think we got everybody. Um, So let's move on to status updates. Uh, Status updates is a chance for us to talk a little bit about the work that we've been doing and the work we're planning on on doing uh, going forwards. Uh, This is kind of a software engineering stand-up-y sort of thing, uh, but there's a couple of things that usually come out of it. One, it means that we're all kind of aware of who's doing what. And it also means that uh, we have a chance to say, like, hey, you're trying to do this. Like, check out this other thing. Uh, Make sure that you're aware of this other work that may have happened in the past about it as well. Um, So I usually find it useful. And so we'll dive into that. Um, Uh, Last week, I got the display I/O rework checked in, um, which means you should be able to use displays on any of the SAMD51s. And the NRF52840s. Uh, this means that you can actually, if you have a display breakout, you should be able to wire it up to a Feather or a Metro or uh, any of the other boards, uh, and and use the display, which is pretty exciting. Um, note that the display objects are a little weird in that they live longer than the VM. Usually, when you use like some hardware, we reset immediately after your code is done. Uh, but with displays, we want to actually be able to use the display to show you error messages, um, and so they are not reset until you explicitly reset them with uh, call to display IO release displays. Um, so be aware of that. Um, I added eight bit parallel display uh, bus support as well, um, so that's a way to get data over to the displays faster than we can over SPI. Um, so that that is in there as well. Um, once I wrapped up the display stuff, I drafted an aggregate CircuitPython 2019 post. Uh, I do want to talk about it in the weeds just to make sure that there's no uh, big questions that folks have. Uh, I already saw that a number of you dropped comments on that, and I really, really appreciate those. Um, but I want to make sure that the overall thing is kind of in the right direction as well. So we'll talk th- talk about that later. Um I'm getting caught up on my email because I went heads down last week on display IO and then the circuit Python post. So it's a little behind um, in particular. I know there's a couple code reviews waiting for me. So I'm going to do that uh, after the meeting. Um, we also, uh, Mr. Certainly and Katni and I just talked about uh, from moderation stuff on discord. We talked about uh, reorganizing kind of the help channels. And so you'll see us uh, do that after the meeting as well. Um, just to, give more focus to what people are looking for help with. Um, so you'll see that at, after that. And if you're a mod, you can check the mods channel for exactly what that will be. If you're not a mod and you want to know beforehand, feel free to just speak up and we'll we'll let you know. Uh, but that'll happen soon. And then um, once I'm caught up on all this stuff, uh, I plan on going heads down again. Um, and I want to... There's a couple things... Thinking about the last few things, I want to get into 4.0. Uh, one is I want to speed up the rendering, so every time the display changes, we we um, transmit the whole display back, all of the pixels to this display, even if they're the same from the last time. So I have some ideas about how to minimize the amount of data we have to push to the the display, which means we'll we'll just refresh a lot faster. So I want us to I I want to try that. I want to work on that. And then the other thing I want to do is. Um, build in text, basic text and font support um, with the goal of being able to show error messages on the screen. So if you're iterating on a code.py and you have a syntax error, that like stack trace should show up on the screen uh, to be able to help you. Um, it's kind of... I I think it's going to be really helpful because sometimes people have a lot of trouble understanding how to connect to the serial and see those errors. So, if you're already connected to to a display, then we should be able to show that to you immediately instead. This should be, do you have a comment on that? Non spy display support. Okay. Um, Does that include the 8 bit parallel? Okay, we'll talk about that in the weeds. OK. So that is my status update. Uh, let's go on to TG Techie.
2: Hi. Um, so I've also been doing display stuff, although in Python. Sorry. Um And I'm afraid I'll be. <laughs> um, I, I've been working in parallel. So uh, I'll, I'll probably just switch to what you're doing, which sounds wonderful because it sounds a lot faster. I've been... I hope so. This week... <laughs> I, uh, this week I've been making a uh, sys, uh, system where instead of just pushing an object to the display, by pushing I mean, place, um, it, it understands that there's depth. So if you make a rectangle and you can put another rectangle on top of it, you can move it forward. Only the part of the display that changes will change to move objects forward by layer. Hmm. Um Uh, and it would have support for like a pointer so you could like click button. Right. Um, as opposed to, um, yeah. Uh, and it it would require some pretty large overhaul to how objects are referenced, like how text is currently done. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be able to do it the same way unless I wanted to buffer it, but that sounds horrible to me. Um. So I'll I'd love to take a look more in depth about your code and okay. see if I can either use yours or uh, integrate something.
0: Yeah, I th- you're. Are you running on CircuitPython? Or are you on on Raspberry Pi?
2: Oh, oh, CircuitPython. Okay. Um, Metro okay.
0: M4. Okay. Okay. So that'll be easier because w- would like to. I'd like to port the display I/O stuff to Raspberry Pi, but that's not easy. That's rewriting everything I wrote in C in Python again.
2: <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you want, I can take a shot at that. Um, totally. I'm fine with... Yeah. Um, and one other thing, I know I'm going on a bit. I also met the maker of ChipQuick this week when I was down visiting my grandma. Oh, nice. Which was really fun. And, um,
0: yeah. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you, TG Techie. And uh, let's go to Brennan.
3: So um today I'm looking into a couple of uh, dependency issues with the Blinka library. Um not sure what's going on, but I'll probably be pushing a new release to PyPI when I figure out what that is. Okay. Otherwise there are a couple of uh CircuitPython projects I'm looking to finish documenting for Adafruit before my time with Adafruit is up mm-hmm. and that's about it. I will be uh, trying to keep up with the community a little bit and may uh, pitch in here and there when I've got some spare cycles, but it's going to depend on a lot of other things.
0: All right. Well, you know where to find us. Any help is welcome. Right on. Thank you. All right. Carter is lurking, so we'll go to Charles. Well, I'm right now I'm
5: working on a set, a set of functions to provide the different types of mes- MIDI messages. And then once I get those working as a, as a simple module, then I'll convert I'll attempt to convert it to a a, a CircuitPython compatible library. Awesome. Uh that way I Good j I'm gonna need the only thing I do uh I need is some kind of a model that I can use to uh to uh, to, uh, to where I can insert the co- code from my, my functions.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: I you know make the whole thing into a class
0: right. of some kind. Right. Yeah, I'm happy to help you with that. Um, it sounds yeah. like something exactly that we were talking, like recognizing that we need for the MIDI stuff. So uh, I'd encourage you to share what you have, and then I, me or Katni or somebody else can help refine it into a library.
5: Okay, that's that's a good deal.
0: <laughs> it's a great deal for us. I I don't know why yeah. you're, what you're thinking.
5: Uh, no, it's just that I have the, this would be the first time I would be trying it, and I sort of I could, I would like to learn from people who've already done it.
0: Yep. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Really that's appreciate right. you taking it on. Yep. Sweet. Thank you, Charles. All right. Uh, Dan is out, so I'll just read his stuff. He says, um, Finished BLE peripheral and BLE UART work for now. Uh, Two helper helper libraries now exist. Uh, He has three pull requests pending. Um, One on the core, which is more BLE I.O. revision. Uh, One for the Adafruit CircuitPython BLE library, which is a simplification and a UART service as a stream. And then a brand new library, uh, Adafruit CircuitPython Bluefruit Connect, which is a new library for use with Adafruit BLE Connect phone app. Um, so I will check those out if you're interested in BLE, and I'll I'll circle back and do those reviews as I go through email as well. Um, okay, uh, D-, D Estelles, Deshibu, Jerry are lurking, so we'll go into Katney.
1: Hello. Whoa. So let's see. Last weekish, I. Finished up the bulk of the PropMaker Featherwing guide, um, which got it to a point where uh, Lady Ada can finish that. So that was good. Um, I added a page to the welcome guide called the Circuit pie Drive. Uh, it, I realized we had never really covered the Circuit pie Drive itself, or that your your code Pi lives on it, or that it reloads and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we hint at it in different places, but the welcome guide really needed that piece of information. Nice. Uh, which it actually stemmed from us realizing that you can rename the circuit pi drive and it does actually stick and it still works,
4: mm-hmm.
1: so we wanted to get that information out there uh but I realized uh we needed the basic you know what the circuit pi drive does. And that sort of thing information first so there's information on how to rename your circuit pi drive on three different operating systems and how to put it back Mm -hmm. and what it does and why it's there Um, i also included uh, a section in um, a section in the installing circuit python page that explains the difference between circuit pi and the board name boot drives Mm -hmm. Because people, I guess, were um, dragging files to the, you know, bootloader drive, and wondering why either it wasn't working or um, why uh, they, they didn't understand when they dragged that that U F two file, it doesn't disappear. It's installing Circuit Python, um, so that's all been explained as well. So if you get any questions about what happened to my U F two file. Um, <laughs> Why is my code not working? Um, ask whether or not people are working within the bootloader drive, and also you can point them to that page um, for more information on the difference between CircuitPy and the bootloader drive. Mm-hmm. So uh, we deprecated a series of uh, old guides that are no longer supported, um, along with uh, the with, with Ampy. Um, so we we are actually going to be transferring that transferring uh, maintenance of that over to um, a community member who is willing to take that on so that's that's really great that we've already found someone who wants to uh, continue working with that because we have not been supporting it for a while um, mm-hmm. and so this is really this was a really good move um, because mm-hmm. it also means that stuff is going to happen with it Yay! so I updated two different guides to use servo kit Um, the PCA 9685 breakout guide and a Raspberry Pi guide that uses that breakout as well. We tested the cookie cutter update this weekend, found some problems, fixed those problems, found some more problems, um, finally fixed those problems. Mm
3: -hmm.
1: Uh, So that's good. Um, The update is going to add a lot of the Pi PI work in. Um, However, it won't attempt to deploy until you actually tell it to. So... Mm -hmm. It takes out a lot of work that was happening later and makes the makes the, the process of, of doing the library simpler. There's some to-dos that are gone now because you actually give that information in Cookie Cutter, and so that information mm-hmm. is put mm-hmm. into the library template to begin with. So that's going to be good. It'll be a little more complicated to run um, to run Cookie Cutter. You'll need a little more information, but we have documentation and we will update the guide mm-hmm. so that uh, that information is all there. Mm-hmm. Um, I started the radio bonnet guide, um, so that 's because uh, we 're going to be releasing more of those this week, I guess um, in theory, and uh, we need to have the product guide for it. I made my first fritzing object, Yay. which was a nightmare, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but apparently it gets easier is what i 'm told
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and yesterday was Library Monday, so um, I updated the library tracking issue and did a couple releases on libraries and um, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So this week, I need to finish the RadioBonnet guide. I'm going to be writing a guide that does uh, CircuitPython uh, demos for BLE with all the new stuff that Dan is writing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's going to be a series of very simple, um, very simple examples so that you, you know, people can have somewhere to get started with um, all the new BLE stuff that we're doing. Um, I'm going to be doing uh, updating the the PN532, which is a NFC rfid reader um i need to update that guide for Raspberry Pi usage and then i'm hoping to uh this week wrap up the cookie cutter stuff um now that we found all the problems Mm -hmm. we need to um, actually run the test again to make sure that um everything deploys or doesn't deploy or what does what it's supposed to do when it's supposed to do it right um with the new additions so i'm hoping to wrap that up this week um Sometime it all depends on uh, whether or not because uh, so I'm working with SummerSoft on that. So it mm-hmm. kind of depends on um, his availability yep. as well. And that is where I'm at.
0: Totally. Thank you, catney All right. Uh, and last but not least, we have Maker Melissa.
1: Yeah. Last
4: week I worked on the RA8875 library for the display and I got that up and it's just kind of waiting on getting a pull request approved.
0: Okay.
4: And do you have a reviewer just, already? Um, Summersoft was looking at it okay. um, and he looked at it a couple days ago. Okay. Uh,
1: to be, Summersoft wasn't super comfortable actually um, reviewing the core of it because he's never done display work. So, Scott, if you have um, the time for it, you might want to take a look at it. All
0: right. I think it's in my inbox, so I'll try to get to it today.
4: Okay, and then um, this next week I kind of wanted to look at some of the other libraries and maybe do a little work on those, um, Mm -hmm. some of the open requests on those. Mm -hmm. And another thing I wanted to kind of uh, start looking at doing is creating like a GUI that works on multiple displays that's not like display dependent, but if it has like hardware accelerated functions, it can make use of that. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that would be cool. I think TG Techies done a lot of that work too. Okay, cool, awesome. Well, thank you, Maker Melissa, and thank you everybody. I think actually, Summersoft ran ran off, so I'll actually read off Summersoft's because they are in the notes. Uh, Summersoft says last week uh, did cookie cutter and uh, made some minor tweaks based on Catney's testing uh, frequency in. Working for the most part, currently calculating frequency at a rate of one millisecond. Reference TC TC is firing at about 800 microseconds relative to current tick. Uh, Finally figured out the math to account for the 1.6 millisecond measurement time. But the TC that is counting events is having issues with resetting the count at this rate. I'm going to revert back to subtracting last value slash not resetting count to zero or widen the measurement time. Hmm, okay, um, and this week frequency in and any more cookie cutter tweaks that pop up. All right, so that's summer sauce. Uh, they might pop in later, but um, let's move on to in the weeds. Uh, the in the weeds section is our chance to just talk about whatever we want to talk about. Um, not not kind of trying to do it quickly, but rather we could just go into in depth on things. Uh, We also call it just the discussion section. Um, So first and foremost, I just wanted to talk about um, the draft of the aggregate CircuitPython 2019 post. Um, First off, I'd like to just see if anybody wants to share their impressions of it. It's very drafty, especially I'm surprised I didn't get more comments on the start of it because it was kind of like, three paragraphs of how I was thinking about starting it that I just left in there. Um, so I'm curious to see what people think. Um, if you are listening to this after the fact, feel free to reach out to me and give me feedback on it as well. Um, but does anybody here have anything to say? No. I know we already.
1: It might be be drafty, but it's it's a really the important things, uh, the important points that people made. I made rather. I like that you um, that you recognized uh, as many people as possible. I, I think that's super important as well.
0: Yeah, and if if I missed somebody you think is important, please let me know. Because the danger of calling people out explicitly is missing somebody that should have. Right. Um, So I am relying on you all to to be able to let me know that as well. Um, But yeah, I think I, I wasn't too explicit about referencing who said what but I had all of them open in like one browser window in all the tabs and I read them all before I started writing this so I hoped that that context would give me enough give my brain enough influence so that you'd be able to see it come through into that 2019 post um and I also
1: I, like that you included all the posts at the end
0: but yeah 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 for sure I mean maybe I should have just done that but um I did like the structure from last year's post, so that's kind of where I, why I, I cribbed it. I just used that again, um, talking about the different sections of the project. Um, and it was also interesting to think about in terms of, like, it's not just more of the same, like, what else is, is there to it? Because um, I really liked last year's post. I think a lot of it we nailed... Yeah. TG Techies typing maybe about this. But I I assume your all, all your silence is agreement that it's in line with what we want. <laughs> so.
2: I am not typing about that.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Um, Jerry gives a thumbs up and says, Brendan says it's a solid post." Um, thank you for that. I think uh Brennan, I really appreciated yours um your post in particular, and I thought that the security note at the end is really important that that we should i don't think it's imminent, but I think in the in the longer term we're gonna have to figure that out as well so i think if if folks haven't read brennan's post i'd I'd highly recommend it. And uh, also, thank you for being on Discord, Brennan. <laughs> uh, yeah,
3: yeah. Uh, you know the security thing, like you say, it's not um, like it's not right there. But nevertheless, I think it's probably time to start thinking about that uh, for sure. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, totally. So uh, I recommend if anybody, if you haven't, take a look at the list at the bottom, like Catney reference, and just read them all. Um, none of them are super long. So, um, I'd recommend everybody just go take a look, um, and, and let that inform what you kind of want to work on. So, um, thank you to everyone who's read the Aggregate Post. Um, my plan is to get it up by, um, by the end of the week probably, and then I'll put it in the newsletter. I think I'll write a lead story for, for Phil for the newsletter for next week. Um, so that, uh, he has one less thing to write, so um yeah i think it's pretty close i i mean i i drafted it all yesterday so i like the way that i work is like i kind of get it all out and then i go back and read through it so um i'll probably tweak some stuff over this this week and then post it maybe friday or monday um and that will be that we'll be on our way to 2019 okay any last comments i don't think so all right, let's move on to Deshipu's question about non-Spy display support. Um, do you want to be more specific on that? I could hear your keyboard. Like I added, I just added 8-bit parallel support. Um, so I'm wondering if that's what you mean. I've also been thinking about how to have a dev board with a SAMD51 that's kind of geared towards parallel. Oh, okay. So Deshipu says, I'm particularly thinking about the error handling for displays like the i2c oled the neopixel displays and other displays with weird interfaces um good question uh i would like to do it um i think of i2c oled kind of as like the oled displays are typically one bit per pixel so in my mind there is a category for like one bit per pixel displays and then I think for more like NeoPixels where you're going to end up scrolling, that's a different task. So I'm trying.
6: Yeah. sorry. Go ahead. I got connected. Uh, there is also things like the Release or the, you know, the, uh, LED backpacks stuff with I2C interface. Right. Where you also would be probably scrolling the error. Right. The I2C OLED displays probably also wouldn't, at least the smaller ones, wouldn't fit the whole error message on them, probably. Right. So the 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 question is uh, how do we want to approach uh, like error handling on generally non-standard displays where, where we cannot just say, okay, this this library is built in, in, in C and uh, just handles the display. Uh because it's some somewhat standard, right? And I do realize that it's not an immediate problem. We probably don't want to do, to have it in the first version. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I will
0: <laughs> definitely not do it this week or this month yeah. or probably this first half of the year.
6: Yeah, but probably it would be nice to uh, have it on the horizon somewhere. Yeah, some idea about how to do it right. eventually.
0: Right. I mean, my answer has been to have like a minimal set of C code that can live longer than the heap can. Um, that's kind of been, that's the approach that I've taken with the four wire and the eight bit parallel displays is that we don't actually encode in C the initialization sequence. All we encode is like, what what do we need to update pixels? Um, and then those ob- right. and those objects live off the heap so they can live longer.
6: Yeah, right. So, practically speaking, uh, when an error happens, uh, the Python interpreter doesn't die like immediately. You kill it after some while, right?
0: Well, we t- we CircuitPython is stricter than MicroPython, where we'll reset everything immediately afterwards.
6: Yeah, but uh, so so I, I'm thinking if if you had some kind of a callback let's let's call it callback for now probably it won't have the same restrictions as the timer callbacks and, and so on mm-hmm. so you can allocate memory. so if you had some kind of a callback that you could call on on basically on crash on on uh, an exception that escapes right uh, that's not cause and uh, that code would just fill a buffer that right. would be pre somewhere and it could be written in Python then, and mm-hmm. then the uh, the error handling code would just take that buffer and and beam it to the to whatever display it has configured. Right. So maybe maybe that would be some option. However, that complicates things with four wire SPI because then you need the the uh, data command pin as well. right 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 right. So that's not just uh, like a a buffer of just bytes so i i'm not sure
0: yeah i think it's a hard question but it's worth thinking about i think my hope is what we'll find is that when we support these more classic spy displays people will be like this is amazing like how do i get it in these led grids and stuff and so i think I, I hope that there will be more demand and more impetus behind it uh, once we have the, these basic displays going. But I think it's safe to assume that we have a built-in font um, that will probably be small enough that we could fit it on like a 7-tall a display. So
6: Yeah, well, yeah, there, there are like 5-tall, five 5-by-3 five, five fonts out there. I have right. one. Right. So, uh, actually, it's 6-by-4. Because you need uh, one pixel of spacing between the letters, but right, right. Yeah, and they are quite readable. So, so in the worst case, people just use a magnifying glass to read it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, and I already added scaling to groups. In I, I didn't expose the property yet, but um, you could say like, here's a group of say bitmaps that are. V- our characters and then you can say scale equals two and it will make every every pixel within that group equal four pixels like whoa that's amazing
6: how 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 slower is that
0: how much slower is it yeah uh it's all slow (laughs) at this at this point all of it's slow uh
6: for error uh, messages that doesn't matter
0: yeah 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 um Right now, all of the text stuff is actually done in Python, so it's not actually fixed sp- spacing. All of the font files that we're using are, um, but the code in like the display text library actually reads the horizontal shift for every character. So if the font file has it, it should work. Um, I started PCF support, which is like basically a binary version of BDF, which is the font file format we support, and i and that's all in Python as well. So my plan for built-in fonts is basically take this take the bitmap font library in Python, use it to parse a font, cross intersect that with the characters that are in all of our errors, because we know like for the internationalization, we know all of the characters that are in all of our strings. So make sure we have all the characters there and then have some stock like bitmap format that's built into the ROM um, for the built-in font. So we should be able to say like build in this BDF font and then it just does it hopefully. Um,
2: and that's when making CP
0: that's yeah. That So the built-in font would be, yeah. Uh, the built-in okay. font would okay. be um, built in that yeah (laughs) yeah it would be on build on build time but the the goal would be to have it the font match the the language so this ship was pointing out not like having a five by three japanese font is really hard well the goal with the built-in font stuff would be that it's really easy to change which font you're using on a kind of per build or per language basis Mm. Um, so maybe we don't have a five by three Japanese font, but we have whatever the smallest font available or possible is. Um, Game Boy Manage eight by eight, yeah, yeah. And I actually dusted off my Game Boy stuff too, so I'm I'm gonna try to get my Game Boy stuff done by the end of next month, or getting getting displaying and interacting with it working because I'm going to Py Cascades here in Seattle and I want to show it off.
6: So there will be a Game Boy emulator in CircuitPython?
0: No. The, what, I mean, when the, what I'm talking about is the actual Game Boy cartridge. So.
6: All right. The one running CircuitPython. The one Circuit running CircuitPython. Python.
0: Yeah. But the goal, I mean, we're not far away from being able to do a lot of what you talked about in your 2019 post, Radimir, which is... The like game display stuff because um, I would like to get it to a point where it's relatively easy to uh, transition or or migrate from like modern modern quote unquote microcontroller based arcade stuff like if folks haven't seen it MakeCode just released their MakeCode arcade um, so but I'd like to make it easy to to migrate from that modern hardware back to like a Game Boy cartridge running Circuit Python as well so. Um, you just need to change assets and stuff. All the game logic would be the same. Um, and then there would be some like high-level API that matches how the Game Boy manages sprites and tile maps that also applies the, that CircuitPython has an equivalent API for. So, Yeah, interesting stuff. Uh, we're getting there. It's really exciting, but I'm trying to figure out exactly how much of this I need for 4- 4.0 and how much will come later. I think a lot. What I tr- I was explicit about in this Circuit by the 2019 post is that I really want us to take four, like, get four O out the door, and then do a lot of revisions on four O rather than doing a whole complete like change the world that we've done in the last like couple major releases. So I want us to be yeah. The audio I O
6: really hurt me.
0: The audio I O. Yeah.
6: I still ha- haven't uh, actually ported my, my games to, to the new. Nintendo. Oh yeah.
0: Yeah. And there's a to do item for the mixer stuff that Dean started. And, um, I forget who it was, but somebody was just looking at that. Um, somebody was just thinking about picking it up. So that would be really cool. Um, I'm blanking on who that was, but, uh, yeah, that would be really cool. Cause then we can play multiple things back at once. Um, should be neat um okay so that is a long-winded answer for the non-spy display stuff uh let's go to this last one and if anybody has any other topics in the weeds please place them in the text channel uh other after this one i'll wrap up the meeting um so tg techie i think you added this
2: yes um oh i remember a while ago it was discussed like I don't. I don't know if this is the right message stacks, like little lists of messages. Yeah, the so message long. queues. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I was curious if it's feasible. Um, retrieve data from peripherals and put them in a stack. Like, if a pin on the NPR one two one goes high, just store the bits you can get from raw in mm. as an integer in, in the message stack. Um, while user code's running so that they can just say, hey, what's the most recent button press? Or something like that. Not go get a button press, and if it's running, display updates, which I can, I'm can i sure you can understand, can be slow. Right, um, right. They just so won't for, hear a button.
6: For button presses specifically, I wrote a game uh, module for that, so you can take a look. On that, however, there is, it's it's not a general solution for this kind of uh, problem.
0: Right.
2: And is it just for like uh, hardware buttons?
0: It is.
6: Yeah, it's just for buttons, and they need to be connected to individual pins. It's not for all matrices or anything like that. Uh, but it it has it takes a timer and it basically scans in the background. Uh, keeping track of, of, and it it also does the bouncing for that. Right.
2: Okay. Um, yeah. So
6: it's
0: possible we could add a helper, but I think the NPR one twenty one is particularly difficult, given that it's uh, like a off microcontroller, IC. So.
2: Okay. So off microcontroller, not as.
0: It's worth thinking okay. about. I I think typically you'd have an interrupt line where it would say like hey i got a touch and then expect the microcontroller to stop what it's doing and and read that info um
2: Mm -hmm. that's what's wired up but with cp it doesn't really support interrupts right yeah ish
0: right 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 um and you're and you're doing you're doing this display transmit on your own right
2: you're, yeah you're not using display
0: so, i o to do it yet
2: not yet I would like to do that today um right. even if it's just display pixels through display i o right it'll um i'm looking sorry might have i switched topics
0: uh, no <laughs> if if that one's done we can do do a different topic
2: i'm stated uh i'm looking at the display i o and display bits and there's some example um I'll try with that, mm-hmm. but if I have some problems, can I at you?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'd love to get you going with it because you've done all the higher level UI stuff that um, I think Maker Melissa was talking about doing as well. So.
2: And um, yeah. Thank you.
0: Yeah, because I added I added a shape library, which is like a if you want to have a rounded rectangle or a circle or something, that's how you would do it. Um, but I haven't added the like higher level classes to it, um, which is what needs to be added. It just hasn't happened yet. Okay. So help with that would be welcome. Um, and I think you probably have the code to do it already. Basically what shape does is you just tell it the bounds of the shape that you want, and then it'll make sure that that's rendered.
2: But even if it's like just a formula.
0: No, you have to say like for every row, when does when do pixels start and stop? And then, oh, okay. And then it also lets you mirror, so you can you only have to hold, hold like a quarter of a circle, and then it will mirror. It can mirror both directions for you.
2: Um, nice.
0: And that way, you can yeah, have like right. a filled or unfilled circle.
2: Um, the adding higher up classes bit goes over my head, but. I'm always getting for a challenge.
0: Yeah, I can help you with it. I can get you going.
2: Um S, uh, sorry. The seven seven three five R work.
0: The STs? Yeah. yeah. So you should be able to use most um displays because of um the way the internal code works is that you're just you just have like a four wire bus or a or a eight bit parallel bus and then the init code you actually provide to the display class that it will run for you to get the display going so most displays i think should work um it's based on the arduino display stuff where like most of what changes is the actual um initialization of the display rather than as radimir points out that like how to write a pixel doesn't change usually because mm. uh, it's a standard. I, I,
2: SPI is a standard for display, or
0: like the commands that are transmitted over SPI. Yeah,
2: I have one. In large quotations. One last question. Yep. How how do you specify color order?
0: It's usually something that you do in your initialization code. Okay. So, um, in the initialization code, you'll say like it's BGR, RGB, or whatever. Um, And then all of the display IO internals right now are set up to do 565, 16 bit color. Um, And we do want to expand them at some point to doing one bit and when it does one bit i think it would be really cool to support. expand huh expand <laughs> uh, on the one bit stuff
2: yeah i yeah
0: so one bit is like a an oled a single color mm-hmm. oled or an lcd or an e ink um and what i think would be really cool is that with the so Display.io has sprites. You have a bitmap that provides you bitmap values, and then you can have a palette that takes those values and produces actual bits or, like, actual pixel values. And what I think would be really cool with one-bit displays is actually to have your bitmaps have more than a single bit worth of stuff, and then each value in the bitmap will map to a different pattern, so you can actually have, like, different ways to shade um, different degrees of uh, stuff on one bit displays I that's,
6: that's advanced stuff
0: yeah it's definitely advanced and it doesn't work now but <laughs> I think it would be very cool um, to be able to support it um, so yeah it's one of those when I was doing the display I.O. work I tried to think big in terms of all I wanted to do and then shrink it down into the bits that I wanted to do now Um, so I did, it's called pixel shader now because with the on disc bitmap stuff, it actually, one thing you can do is like, if your pixel values are 24 bit color, there's a there's a pixel shader that will just convert that to five, six, five for you. Um, on the, can you, can you
6: actually like carry on some values between the pixels? Can
0: you carry? I'm thinking on?
6: like uh, error error diffusion uh, stuff. You know, for to do the error diffusion shading on on uh, one bit pixels. With what bit pixels you need to carry uh, some values from from pixel to pixel, to to remember how much uh, difference was there right. before, so that.
0: That would be cool. I haven't thought about that. (laughs) Yeah. Um, For the pixel shader, what I was just thinking we would need is we would need the value from the bitmap and the location of the pixel to be able to do, like, broader patterns.
6: Yeah, Um, so then, then you don't have the local information about neighboring pixels.
0: Exactly. But I... I really like this style because to me it feels like a very small version of what graphics cards actually do where you're setting up data structures and there's this like two-step process of like figure out the values and then figure out the colors. Yeah, of course. Um, so I, I I would be interested in expanding what pixel shaders get at some point, but um, it's way down the road. <laughs> Cool. All right. Um, since we're over an hour, I'm going to wrap us up. Um, I'm glad you all are excited for display AO and I'm very, very excited to see, um, all of the different low level libraries or high level libraries that we get out of it. Um, a lot of like what, um, uh, Katni's been doing with other hardware stuff. So, um, Yeah, uh, thank you again to everybody who was able to make the meeting. I know that it was a a different day than normal. Uh, Normally, we're on Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, here on our Adafruit Discord channel, which you can join any time of the week at adafru.it slash Discord. Um, Everybody's welcome. We want to hear all things CircuitPython, uh, what everybody's doing. Um, Happy to hear hear all of that. So, uh, everybody's welcome to join. Uh, If you can't make the meeting time, feel free to drop us comments about uh, what's going on, and we'll read it here. Um, Let's see. Uh, This meeting was recorded, so uh, it will go up on YouTube and uh, DiodeZone later today. Uh, The links to the meetings are typically put into the Python for Microcontrollers newsletter that goes out every week on Tuesday morning. So next week, we'll have two links um we'll have this meeting's links and we'll also have the meeting for next monday um and yeah i think that's it uh thank you everybody for making the meeting and uh we'll see you all next week
1: thanks everyone
3: thank you you. bye